The podcast about everything is an Hour of the Wolf production. History isn't preserved just by large institutions. Often its preservation depends on an individual collector who wishes to share their fascination with the public. Join me today as I talk to history instructor Tyler Modry about his plans for his haunts of the Alleghenies Museum on the podcast about everything. Welcome back to the podcast about everything. Today, uh, our guest for a for a chat is Tyler Modry, and uh, Tyler's a instructor of history, and he has some big plans up ahead for people who like uh, historical sites and interesting and maybe even a little quirky looks at regional history. So, Tyler. Welcome to the podcast, and I'm going to ask you our question we ask every week. Tyler, what's your story? Uh, basically, how I put my dent in the universe, as I like to put it as well, is basically I like to document history, and I have a big fear, as probably many people do, of being forgotten. And I think we're all going to be forgotten at some point in time. But my ultimate goal is to document the small pieces of history that um, were overlooked, forgotten, and need to be resurfaced to add to the overall narrative uh, of the story. And I like to do that and focus on small local history um, of Cambria and Blair County, Pennsylvania, where I grew up and where I'm from mostly, and just really add to that story in a fun, creative way for people to hopefully um, understand and get more into, if Great. that makes sense. So. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, I think that's what every regional historical society sort of attempts to do, unless they're lucky enough to have some sort of artifact like a historic building or something like that, that they can lay claim to. But otherwise, everybody's trying to preserve history, especially a regional type of history and a regional interpretation. Um, so What's your background? Um, where, where did you become, as we like to say, educated? And um, where'd you go to school? And I understand you're currently teaching, right? Yes, I, uh, I school locally. I went to Mount Aloysius College. Uh, my degree is in secondary education, history, political science. And the reason I got really into history, a couple things. 
growing up, my family, they weren't directly like antique dealers, but on the side, they would buy, sell and collect um, just old objects, mostly from the 19th century. And I fell in love with those objects. And also my uh, stepfather, he was a uh, Vietnam veteran. And when I was probably eight years old, he would share with me some of the items he brought back from his time in the service. And I just really cherished uh, those items. And I still have them on you know, to this day and display at my house right now, currently. And, you know, thinking about what I wanted to do for a career, I looked at going into um, arts. I looked at going into actually being a mortician as well, too, believe it or not. But um, ultimately, I decided on history. It's, it's my love in life. It's my passion. And, you know, they always want to say you find something that you want to do every single day. It doesn't feel like work. And at this point in my career, you know, working as a teacher and then trying to start a museum and preserving local history, it all kind of blends together now where I can't even really tell it's work half the time. I'm having so much fun doing it. That's great. Yeah. As you probably know, I'm a professional artist and yes. I work <laughs> and I work commercially and um, I love it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I could not imagine doing anything else than what I'm currently doing, though I'm also doing podcasts and a bunch of other stuff, too. But I guess in some ways it all relates because I'm also um, an amateur folklorist. So I've been doing talks and now the podcast gets a certain amount of folklore uh, material in it as well. So I, I can certainly understand that. And I, I just spoke to... Um, another acquaintance of mine who's a professor at Penn State, he's a professor of writing. And mm -hmm. we were both saying we, we felt really bad about people who for some reason or the other cannot find a way to make a living that they can throw their heart and soul into. Right. And, and how tough that must be. Mm -hmm. Speaking of tough, um, how tough is it to be a history teacher these days? Is it hard? I mean, how, how, <laughs> how averse are students to learning history? <laughs> Sometimes you'll get questions of what's the point, um, you know, of studying things from the past. They may not find it too exciting. And I always try to do, you know, different types of methods. There'll be times when the weather's nice, we'll take them outside and we'll do reenactments for a class. Um, there'll be times I'll have them, you know, read part of a section of a chapter, and then I'll go and sit at my desk and say, get up in the front, and you teach it now. I'm like, what do you mean? Just different ways to get them engaged. History is not just looking at pictures, um, right. or, you know, or reading words in a page. And the reason I, I love collecting too, every single day or every single week, at least, I take something into the classroom to show the students. Mm -hmm. And I try to have things of all periods. I, I mostly teach American history. And I try to have aspects and artifacts from all different genres. And when we're talking about something particularly, I'll bring it in and show it to them. They have a primary source, a firsthand account, and they can look at it, hold it, and pass it around. It really makes the history um, come alive to them. And I get no greater joy, I still get goosebumps talking about it, when the students go home and they'll email me pictures of their families artifacts from out that they found. Like my grandfather was in World War II and we're talking about that right now. Kokula says, and we try to do presentations based upon that as well. So trying That's to get the young people into it more. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, a local Blair County historian uh, who's also a, um, I think he's an adjunct professor at this point at Penn State, Jared Frederick. He's a friend yep. of the podcast and that's exactly how he describes his teaching technique. Um, he, he's, he was bemoaning 
remote teaching for Penn State because you know you can't take the artifacts in and have right. people actually. And he's also, uh, he, well, I call it LARPing by, or cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> he calls it, you know, dressing the part and you know, uh, reenacting. Reenacting. <laughs> uh, I do. Ha I do have a joke I coined when I was working down in Gettysburg about reenactors because I was painting a mural down there during the uh, reenact one of the reenactments and I the joke is do you know what the difference is between an actual civil war soldier and a reenactor about 200 pounds <laughs> yeah yeah I, I understand <laughs> at, least, at least in Pennsylvania that seems to be the way right. it goes right. so um anyway um so you, you you're teaching American history are you teaching anything else Yes, I teach um, AP European history, um, and then AP US history, pre-AP US history, and then US history too, which covers from the period of 1850 to the present. Okay, okay. Yeah, not much happened after 1850 uh, <laughs> in the United States, so you probably have to really work hard at that. Um, so um, you, I don't want to, I don't think we want to talk about perhaps your I don't know how, how you how you came to at least consider it, but working in the mortuary business. But let's oh. talk about your <laughs> let's talk about your art background because that sounds yes. a lot more interesting. Um, when we were chatting before the um, before the podcast, you had said you were interested in doing some stop motion animation work to try to yes. tell local history. Can you yes. can you talk about that? Sure. I am obsessed with the holiday classics produced by Rankin Bass, like oh, yeah. Mad Monster Party, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Sure. And I just don't think there's like, you know, like the heart and soul, the element is in to the digital films. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not a fan of them with the changes being made. I love when you can actually make a product and you can see it and it's moving on screen. And I always wanted to use my art background. I love painting, sculpture, carving, and I really got into wood carving a few years ago. Ah. And I was just messing around. I was trying to carve a uh, wooden figure of uh, Colonel Joshua Chamberlain, who's mm -hmm. one of the soldiers who fought at Gettysburg, a little round top. And it actually ended up looking like General Stonewall Jackson. So I kind of failed at it. But then I tried a second one um, of uh, Admiral Perry, who's from Crescent, where I right. grew up. And that's the one I posted online, I think you've seen before. Mm -hmm. And I showed some family and friends, and they're like, you should maybe try selling those. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to sell them. They take forever to make. But I thought of doing a small animation telling the story with stop motion. And maybe you can show it with, you know, younger students, but even, you know, high school age students, college students and adults could like it. And one thing I do where I work, I started a local history club where we travel around to different grade schools and take the students and give talks and lectures. We've not done a lot of that, obviously, in the past year, but prior to everything shutting down, which we're traveling quite a bit. And I want to try to get more of the students involved too and possibly do like almost like an animated puppet show almost and travel with local history, take the artifacts. And then instead of just having pictures on a screen or a projector, have like the puppets there, they can see them and show some of the animation, maybe have some of the students get involved too in it as well. Um, I just don't want to focus just on the historical aspect. I do want to try to include um, art as well. Uh, into the process. And the building that I recently acquired to put the museum in, you know, has a lot of rooms and I want to do like a little small animation studio 
there as well and just try to put out short little clips of oh, the figures so that's great yeah <laughs> yeah um i had a i had a guy who he had kind of an art background uh he worked for me for a while uh and helped me out uh with some of my projects and to show you how long ago this was when the second raft of star wars movies came out the prequels who uh, yeah. everybody everybody <laughs> was like uh they wrecked it but yeah. um anyway this guy he was a former marine <laughs> so um he wasn't that articulate but what he said something really insightful he said you know i'm looking at this cgi stuff they're doing now and it's really flashy but he says no matter how hard they work they can't make it look real right. he said i like the old stuff it mm -hmm. looked real i like the puppets and uh i hope that's encouraging <laughs> because you know people like the puppets people like right. the physical presence of something even if it's just something being photographed they they like that physicality um that's why uh for example, some museums that I've been involved with on and off over the years, uh, when they've tried to go to nothing but self tours and, <laughs> you know, with the, oh, yes, you get yes. a little pamphlet and then you'll walk right. around and, you know, and some of them are starting to switch to narrated tours where, you know, you have an app on your phone or something like that. But people like tour guides. They yes. like the people. They like, and I think, especially now with what we've all been going through, people are going to be craving some sort of physicality, some sort of physical interaction more and more. So um, that's my take on museums <laughs> and tours, at least. Um, right. People like, always, people like the puppets. <laughs> they do. And it always, and it seems the world is going more and more towards like minimalism and mm -hmm. I'm the total opposite, you know, I'm a maximalist. I love having things around. If I go sure. into someone's house and like the walls are all painted one color and there's like one table and a couch in the room, it's like a doctor's office. I can't be in there. You know, mm -hmm. I love that, you know, where I live, I have stuff hanging everywhere. The walls are covered. I just, what I like, it's interesting, you know, for me to see that. And since I was a small child, I've always loved creating a world or an atmosphere, you know, for sure. people to come in and experience as well. And that's what I really want to do. And even what, with the special effects, I mean, what are you going to look at and see, you know, except the film, I like seeing the behind the scenes and the props. And even in the artistic world, I've always found the process of creating more interesting and engaging than the actual final product. Like even in movies, I want to see behind the scenes, you know, I want to see mm -hmm. the director's cut. I like watching that more than the actual film half the time. So, yeah, I understand. Um, so, uh, you would use some of this stop motion stuff that you're planning on doing uh basically for storytelling for yes. telling mm -hmm. some of the historic story i think that's a great idea myself um mm -hmm. i can't wait to see it actually so you have to get busy right after we're done with our conversation oh yeah um so <laughs> um you're you obviously are interested in local history and you have plans to have a facility to present it to the public um what spurred that i have been collecting strongly for about a decade now as soon as i graduated college had my first job 
I could, I always had a small collection of items, but I could go out and actually try to acquire and find more and more. And we went to, a, my family and I went to a couple auctions where older museums were closing down. This is probably around 2012 or 13. And even friends would go there and say, you have more stuff in, in your house than this entire museum does just all spread out. They said, you really need to show it and display it. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of hard. I don't know if I can do that. And I try to display some things in the classroom too, but you, you can only show so much. And I looked around one day and like half my house is full of historical artifacts and relics that pertain to mostly Cambria and Blair County. And it's kind of hard to move now. And I have like paths almost. I'm not a hoarder, but it's getting pretty bad. So I, I realized that I need to probably get a bigger uh, space. And there's a, a house, a Victorian era house that I grew up near. I've always had my eye on, I've always wanted that. And during the lockdown, I was online to couldn't really do anything else looking up properties and it popped up for sale. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I thought it had to be a sign. So I called the realtor and it was actually below my budget that I was planning on purchasing a, a house for to possibly put the collection in and everything worked out. And the property I acquired was actually owned by a Dr. Mitchell Bernstein, I believe his name was. And he was a World War II uh, veteran. And he was also a member of the Odd Fellows organization. And I collect World War II memorabilia. I collect Odd Fellows memorabilia. So it was kind of, I think, you know, set in stone for, that, for me to acquire this place. So, Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> uh, as someone who has worked in uh, old Victorian homes, so how much of a task are you taking on? What kind of, <laughs> what kind of condition is it in? <laughs> oh, um, hmm. what's, what's the word uh, past rough? It's, 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 it's in... The bones are solid. I'll put it that way. Okay, that's good. Um, the, you know, I love the 1970s. I love studying that era too. But um, the architectural, I don't know how you want to put this, uh, influences on the inside were taken over in yeah. the 1970s. And they like glued down like plastic and linoleum floor over the original hardwood. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm in the process of trying to get that out, scraping it and trying to preserve um, everything and of course all the natural oak trim is painted probably in four different layers so trying to get that stripped down as well but so it's a task oh yeah uh, it'll probably be a few years before we're officially open to uh the public that's why i started the online the facebook page trying to post some of the artifacts now and get build some of the interest up um and i'm more than happy to show people too if they have interest in the architecture the inside of the place while i'm working on it but it's not perfect by any means right now well <laughs> I've discovered that when you get one room done, uh, then you can start showing people and they'll right. be interested and they'll <laughs> want to see more. And right. who knows, they might be willing to chip in too uh, yeah. to see this thing happen a little quicker than one person might be able to do it. Right. Um, also, don't be afraid to exploit your students. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that's, a, that's a lesson I learned a long time ago. Um, so, um, the Haunts of the Alleghenies project, it's going to be a, shall we say, a regional history museum? Is that the best way to put it? Yeah, like a private local history museum. Um, it's not going to be nonprofit. You know, I do want to, you know, try to make like a small little business out of it as well. I'm not going to be buying and selling, you know, historical artifacts. Anything that is local or pertains to the area that I've purchased over the years or people have given me some things over the years too, that will stay in the collection. You know, and I'm not married or have any children, but if I ever have my own family, I would pass these items on to them 
or if not, these would be left to the proper historical societies. Um, I know the Cambria County has a historical society, Blair County does as well, and I kind of mix the two together uh, in Crescent where the museum is located. So eventually, if this museum would not be sustaining after I'm gone, those items would be placed um, within those respected societies. But I do also deal in other antiques as well, buying and selling a bit. And because I'm located by St. Francis University and Mount Aloysius College, I was thinking about doing like a study center and maybe like a small little coffee shop uh, in the museum as well to get more, like I said, of the young students and the college age students uh, into local history as well and come hang out, have the free Wi-Fi and then have, you know, cases and displays all around students to see the artifacts. So. Sure, sure. That sounds like a good good business model. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, um, uh, back to my friend Jared, uh, he just published another book and uh, that book was co-authored with him, with a fellow who owns a small history museum in Gettysburg. Are you familiar? I, I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. Yes. All right. He, he was also on American Pickers. Yes. Yeah, he was. Yes, yes he was. Uh -huh. Yes, he was. But but yet he has ended up with some amazing artifacts. I mean, he also has sort of a I don't want to call it a catch-all, but you know, there's a little bit of everything in his museum in right. Gettysburg. But mm -hmm. he has some significant stuff too. Uh, right. So, um, yeah, that's that's wonderful. So, um, I can't help but mention the fact that one of the things that attracted me was the word haunt. <laughs> I, I chose that word on purpose. Really? Are you going to deal with anything about folklore or? you know, people just hanging out after they supposedly left or anything <laughs> like that? Because, you know, I've got lots of ghost stories. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, well, my, Halloween is my absolute favorite holiday. And I always, I always love the, the darker side of the world. I've, I've always been into that. Yeah. Um, I The word haunt I've chosen for like somewhere where you go and hang out quite frequently. And it actually came from there was a famous, well, not famous, but well-known photographer, uh, R.A. Bonine, I believe his name was, and he trapped from Altoona, and he traveled to Crescent and took pictures of the Crescent Mountain House, the famous resort mm -hmm. where Andrew Carnegie stayed and uh, mm -hmm. President Harrison stayed, and it was um, traveling along the haunts of the Alleghenies, and that's where I saw the name, and I'm like, I really like that name, and I also wanted to include something, a little bit of the, you know, darker side of things, I guess you could say, because I do collect Odd fellows. I have like paper mache skeletons from the 19th century. I'll be displaying as well. Um, I do collect old uh, Halloween ornaments and stuff as well, ah, vintage right. things like that. So we'll decorate the museum. But I do want to tell um, you know the stories of the past too, or maybe there is some kind of folklore in there as well. And I know in the Cambria County Historical Society, and I know Blair County. I think you do them as well. They have like the ghost talks and the ghost tours. Mm -hmm. yeah, I would yeah. like to do more of that too, like in the Crescent area, and possibly have a lot of the college students, or even the high school students, get involved in telling those stories as well. Mm -hmm. um, especially too, because I'm located right by the station, and a lot of visitors come in who are into the trains and want to okay. see the local area and tell some of those stories as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's um, there's plenty. Um, I, I can think of one right off the bat in Crescent. Uh, there's a white lady ghost in Crescent, which is alleged to be Evelyn Nesbitt. I'm sure you're familiar with that story. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> that's a very <laughs> famous one. As a matter of fact, I, I did a talk on white ladies because uh, okay. we have we have one in Blair County too. But it turns out 
everybody has a white lady ghost. Yes. They're the yes. most ubiquitous ghosts <laughs> worldwide. Uh, right. And a friend of mine who is from Korea, um, who is uh, teaching at a uh, private school in Tyrone, uh, we were having dinner one night and I was working on this talk and I thought, all right, I'll just ask her. I said, white lady ghosts. Do you have, how many do you have in Korea? She said, well, we had two within walking distance of my village where I was born. Yes. So once again, they're the most ubiquitous thing uh, right. possible. They're the most generic ghosts of all the ghosts, I think. And of course, <laughs> it figures that Blair County would have one and Annis Township has two, I think. And there's a couple in Johnstown and there's a bunch around Penn State. And of course, there's one in Crescent. So um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, and by the way, H Halloween is one of the few sacred holidays at our house, too. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we we go all out then to decorate and to have a good time. Me and oh, my yes. wife. So, OK, so um, can you talk a little bit about the range of things that you're in the process of collecting? And are there any things that you want to? sort of get out there over the airwaves to say, hey, if you see this, call me. Uh, I'm interested because I need it for sure. my museum. So go sure. go for it. Anything Crescent I'm after, even old receipts from like businesses that closed down in the 80s mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, historical documents. Uh, I focus a lot on Andrew Carnegie. I have two letters from Andrew Carnegie who were sent that were sent from Crescent. Um, I focus on Benjamin Harrison because he stayed in the area, but my bread and butter is really um, Cambria County and Blair County American Civil War. 19th century military is what I'm truly after and seeking. And my absolute favorite thing to collect, and I, the students always ask me, you know, you think time travel will ever be possible? And I said, it is possible right now. And I collect diaries, yeah. soldier diaries and journals. That's my absolute favorite thing to collect. You can sit down at your house, turn the lights off, light a candle, sit in an old chair and read it. And I recently acquired one on eBay of all places a few years ago. And I've given a talk before um, on his story. His name was Valentine Barker of the 143rd Pennsylvania Volunteers recruited in Evansburg. And the Barkers were from Maine. They moved to Cambria County. And I found his diary and he actually fought at the Battle of Chancellorsville. And when you first open it, it's beautifully handwritten, it's in ink. And then when you get to battle content, it's in pencil, it's smeared, and you can see his fingerprints on the page. And I oh, still wow. get chills talking about that. That's absolutely what I, I love to collect the most. And I have two local civil, I have one too from Benjamin Lore. He was from Bedford and I actually got his actual Civil War boots he wore as well. I think he fought in the 142nd Pennsylvania Volunteers. Wow. And then I recently acquired um, from an old collector in Altoona, a Bridesburg rifle, and they were a Pennsylvania manufacturer. And on the bottom was carved C. Will. And the soldiers generally weren't supposed to carve their names into their weapons, but they did. And right. I researched it. He also fought in the 142nd Pennsylvania. He was from Somerset. His name was Charles Jonathan Will. And he was engaged in almost every single battle on the Eastern Front or Eastern Theater of the American Civil War, including Gettysburg. He fought on day one. So it's really cool that that gun was one of my favorite places in the world to go, Gettysburg. And it came back to the area in Somerset. It was in a collection for so many years. And my friend called me and goes, looking for a Bridesburg. I found one. And I didn't even know who he was. I just saw it and purchased it and came home and did the research. And that's what I love to do. That's exciting for me. That's what I'm after. 
Um, but I have I have a couple like pieces of ancient Roman artifacts. Um, looking around my house right now where I'm standing, I have a Civil War peg leg uh, from a soldier <laughs> from the 10th New York Heavy Artillery on display. Um, I actually found something too from 1873. It's uh, Dr. Tyler's German cough drops, an old tin. I collect a lot of Andrew uh, Curtin, who was the governor of Pennsylvania during the American Civil War. And I love collecting artifacts too from the Loyal War Governors Conference of Altoona. I recently acquired an old parade satchel from the 1912 parade that says the Altoona works on it. Oh. So, and I never, I, yeah, I never really knew a lot about or heard about it at all, the Altoona War Governors Conference until I started re researching more about Andrew Curtin a few years ago. And I'm like, wait a minute, this historical event happened in Altoona. I never knew of this at the Logan House. And I researched and it's like, they tore the Logan House down. It's not there anymore. And that's what really, I don't know, gets me and drives me. It's like, we can't tear down and destroy possibly this amazing you know history we have in this area and so many of people my age and my generation they're they don't, they're not really into the area like, there's nothing really here to do and they leave but then when they come back they raise their children here it seems have their families here mm -hmm. so we need to promote and preserve the history of this area as much as we possibly can and not you know destroy it and tear it down and that's basically what i'm an advocate for i guess you could say <laughs> i think that's one of the problems that uh, America has encountered with its own history, especially as far as uh, Rust Belt cities, industrial cities. They were right. often the create, well, like Altoona was the creation of the Pennsylvania Railroad, and um, everything was disposable. When it right. got in the way, it was torn down. Um, I have a, let's see, great, great, great grandfather who was one of a team of uh, part-time working carpenters who were kept around to keep things in immediate repair at the Logan House. Um, it was the last job he ever had. Um, he had a real tragic story. Um, and uh, he had three wives, the last one, they all died. And the last one died during the uh, flu, the Spanish flu epidemic. Um, and, uh, but anyway, uh, so that was my connection to the Logan House and my grandmother, who was his great granddaughter, um, told me some of the folklore, well, their stories, their family stories. So it's, I yeah. call it folklore, uh, <laughs> about him and about his struggles. He was the typical struggling Irish immigrant. Uh, well, except he was born here. I mean, but I, I mean, it's the same sort of story. I mean, yeah. Hard, hard, hard to find employment. Uh, went from job to job and area to area. He was born outside of Pittsburgh. Lived in Pittsburgh. Came to Crescent. Uh, established himself in Crescent. Eventually ended up in Altoona working. Um, and every time he moved, it was because he had just become a widower again. So he had a really tragic story. And he was, um, he wasn't wounded, but he was injured during the Civil War when he was a soldier. And okay. so he had a Civil War pension and that sort of thing. And one of the things, you blew my mind this past week with a Facebook post. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I didn't know they let pictures like that on Facebook. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh. <laughs> it, was, it was a wrench 
yes things yes, yes. <laughs> um needless to say i republished it and now my family is clamoring to get their hands on one of those wrenches oh so, <laughs> i'll just let you know right now that if you ever see and they're not it's not a big wrench um because about a foot long about, yeah yeah about a foot long well yeah. i saw a prototype that was about six inches that used oh, wow. to be at my grandmother's house uh at my grandfather's workbench oh, and wow. that was and then her, it was her dad who lived with them who was walter little who created oh, wow. who designed the wrench and he worked for he was a he was a school teacher in a one-room schoolhouse somewhere outside of Chess Springs, Pennsylvania. That's and amazing. his father, Daniel, was also a wounded Civil War soldier who was a farmer in Chess Spring. Wow. And they had, you know, he had like, I don't know, 10 siblings. It was a typical right. huge family. But Walter was briefly a school teacher in a one-room schoolhouse somewhere in that vicinity and yeah. then ended up in Crescent. One of his brothers became a dentist and was one of the wealthier uh, physicians in Crescent. And so now, can were... I ask you, was his name, was his last name Yeckley, possibly? No. Dr. Yeckley? No? Okay. No, it wasn't Dr. Yeckley. No, this would okay. be Dr. Little. Oh, Dr. They Little. All, okay. They were all Littles. All Littles? Okay. <laughs> yeah, but they were all very tall. So that's also <laughs> interesting. But um, be that as it may, uh, I remember this wrench, which then went the way of th when th where things go, when everybody dies and they close out a house. I don't know whatever happened to it, but I yeah. do remember the wrench. And then bingo, here comes a full scale. Uh, it's not a prototype, a full scale wrench. And right. I, I recognize the little bars uh, running up the side, which seems like the most impractical thing in the world, but I guess... <laughs> Back then, it was great. But Walter, right. he quit teaching, and he went to work for what was then Pittsburgh Pipe and Steel. Okay. And then eventually, that became Altoona Pipe and Steel, and he continued to be a salesman for them and then retired from there. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, 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 was, it, it blew my mind. I saw that, and I went, oh, wow, it's the wrench. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know how long that they stayed in business doing that. I don't think it was particularly successful, yeah. but they did manage to manufacture them. And then, and I don't know, they may have, somebody else may have bought out the, uh, the, the, the patent on it, or, you know, he may have sold it to Pittsburgh steel or, you know, right. or just other rent, more practical wrenches came along and, um, you know, no, there was no need for that product anymore. I'm not really sure how that went, but yeah. there you go local history well i know that on the uh the board for the cambria countable society one of the gentlemen was telling me because you know, i collect crescent items he goes you know they made a crescent wrench and i said like a crescent wrench he goes no crescent like after crescent pennsylvania i'm mm -hmm. like no i never knew that and then again that was something i found online recently i'm like because i have anything with crescent on it i'll purchase and uh <laughs> you know and he got, you have ties to it and again that's what i love and that's yeah. why my family's like and friends too you need to get your collection out there people are going to have connections they're going to see it and yesterday you know i went out uh antiquing for a bit i came across i posted it today a memorial for um, civil war soldiers from evansburg and it's like look at the names i'm sure you'll recognize some family members on there 
And that's just what I love. And I want people to look. And a couple of weeks ago, I was at a, a house in Northern Cambria and the family's remodeling it. They were selling some things. We were going through an old trunk and we actually found an original tintype photograph of one of their family members. They're not sure exactly. And they're going to research and try to find him more. And I took some pictures too. And I always tell people, like if I go to yard sales or flea markets and I find something, I always tell them, I said, if this is something that you cherish and want to keep in your family, please do. But can I please take pictures and document it for the museum? And then I always tell them, I said, if this is something you're going to put in a box and never look at, and you know, hopefully it never ends in the trash, I said, I will definitely purchase it from you and display it and put your family history with it. And if you would ever want it back, you know where it's going to be. That's what I tell people just to share that, that story with them. And I've been to yard sales. I found a Civil War Bible that was printed in German. And I don't know if you, you've probably heard of the 54th Massachusetts with Sergeant yes, William yeah. H. Carney. Of he was course. the first African-American soldier to get the Congressional Medal of Honor. Well, this regiment, they weren't part of the 54th, but they fought with the 54th Regiment um, at the Battle, I think, of Fort Wagner. And they were there, you know, when he would have earned his Congressional Medal of Honor. This Bible was probably carried in that soldier's pocket. So that's just something, too, that makes the, the, the history come to life, come alive, or come to life. There we go. Mm -hmm. And probably one of the coolest things I've ever found um, I acquired a discharge document for a soldier and there was a memorial poster as well. And it was in an old frame falling apart. And it was for Daniel Goyne. And he was also an African-American soldier. And I was taking it out of the frame to get it back with acid-free paper to preserve it. And there was actually a section of a Civil War flag behind it, probably wow. 16 by 20 with bullet holes in it. And it looks wow. like you, you could see where they took like a knife and just cut it. So I'm not sure if it was possibly a Southern flag um, that was captured and there was and they and they because that was one of the biggest you know achievements is capturing you know, the enemy's flag so i'm thinking that's right. what it possibly is and i have it displayed and have it framed up so it was just amazing i never knew it was back there you know and it's preserved that's amazing trying to come across those items so wow that's wonderful mm -hmm. so um we're sort of coming to the end of another podcast here um I want to thank you for uh, chatting with us for a little bit. And um, I want to know if there's anything or all of your activities you like to uh, plug. Do you have a website, uh, anything like that, that we can pass along to the listeners? Yeah, currently I just have the Facebook page, um, Haunts of the Allegheny's History Museum. You can find it and like it. And um, the property, again, will be uh, in Crescent, and I'll be posting more information on Facebook. Um, I'm going to start officially remodeling in the summer here, and I have more time when, um, when I'm done teaching officially. And I'll be posting pictures of the renovations. And again, if they want to stop by or if they have anything that they would you know, possibly want to get rid of or add to the museum's collection, um, my, there's cards to posted on the website where my number is. You can contact me and email me as well. So, Okay, I'll put a link to that um, when I publish the information about the podcast. Um, a couple of things that we have coming up. Um, we have a uh, new segment we're going to be doing. We're going to be calling it Hubris. And uh, we're going to be looking at some historical figures who perhaps are famous for doing something very important and very meaningful. Uh, and we're going to look at some people who have never done anything important and meaningful, <laughs> but they've all managed to jump the shark because they because they just got a little carried away. And so that's one segment we're going to have. Uh, we're going to be doing our first movie review 
myself and um, three other grown children are, have all viewed the infamous four hour long Snyder cut of Justice League. And we're going to be uh, discussing it. Uh, and, and we're not going to be particularly reverent about the movie. Uh, at least I'm not. And uh, we have that coming up. So uh, there's a lot to look forward to. Oh yeah, and we have um, a deep dive into cats. We're going to talk about cats as pets, as animals, how they evolve, the folklore around cats, every aspect of cats, except for that stupid musical. Uh, so thank you for joining us, Tyler. Um, yes, thank I you hope for you had me. a good time. And uh, this is all for right now. We'll see you soon. So that's all for our episode. We're dedicated to featuring great stories and conversations, and we love our listeners. If you have a story you'd like to tell, or one you'd like to have us explore, leave us a message on our Facebook page, and give us a like at the podcast about everything. We're a podcast available on Anchor, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most of the places where you go to hear podcasts. Our theme music is by Tim Moore, courtesy of Pixabay. Pixabay.com is a great source for royalty-free images and music. This is Michael Allison signing off. Be safe and be well, everybody.